All right, couple things. Um, anyone tell me what was wrong with the video? <laughs> Go ahead, Katie. Well, I think like we kept saying that Anything else you guys picked up on? Wait, which kind of Christians are defined by one thing? Is that what you said? Yeah. The part about not being under the law. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No longer applies. But isn't it funny that he's like, aren't you glad that this doesn't apply? Yeah. But the entire night is about teaching them to apply it. Right. Yeah. And then he said that it also still applies, but like not really. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, don't be confused. Killing your kid. Yes, I mean obviously he's talking about the punishment. Yes, but there, when you read the chapter, you will be able to. There are some aspects of the chapter that I picked up on where replacement theology is a little strong. It talks very much about how all of this was for Israel, but because they missed it, now the church has to do it. The cool thing is, is that the language is a little off, but that's true in the sense that he's saying that you need to do it, but then still kind of slipping in there this. Like you said, it can be kind of confusing. Well, aren't you glad it's not for them? But every single blessing he listed was all in Deuteronomy. And and, and when you read the chapter, he'll even say something along the lines of not all of the Mosaic law. But then he's talking about the character of Yahweh. So it's almost like he's implying that the Mosaic law doesn't show his character. Yeah. So anyway, you can you can pick up on those contradictions, and that's why I think it's so cool to be able to have this, because as a remnant people, to be able to see where the fallacies are and recognize the truth that is there, but then just not really knowing how to just be cut and dry because yeah. of that, that doctrine, if that makes sense. Because everything he's, I mean, he said it in the beginning. He even said, a lot of people think that this doesn't apply, but it does. Remember yeah. when I said, boom. So how do you say both things, yeah. you know? Yeah. So anyways, so just as you're reading the chapter, you're going to see some replacement theology. Basically, it's not Israel, it's you, but the reality is it's just a little bit of a language barrier. You are Israel. I mean, it's, it's essentially the same thing. He's just using the word church because they are very much talking about the moral law, and it says it very strong in here that is both the old and the new encompassed his moral law. You can't have the new and not have the old and not have his character on display. So just want to make sure I throw that out there, and you guys, if you had any questions or if that was confusing at all. A um, couple of uh, major things uh, that were bomb dropped is when he said uh, when your kids are disobedient that's not the issue because they're going to be the issue is if you allow it to happen again yeah Uh, you know so again it puts that pressure not pressure but it puts the emphasis on if we're in a position where we're thinking our kids are just going to get it and not recognizing that you have to display your authority you know in the younger years it's more authority in the later years it's more influence but if you're not doing that we can't just assume that they're just going to yeah you know get a hold of that culture. Yeah. Um, and then the other main thing was I thought that, and you'll read it in the chapter, he, he does a really good job of explaining this in kind of, if you're a visual person, but it's saying that if you, if you can focus on training your household to understand that you are in relationship with those six things, which was authority, parents, elders, peers, siblings, uh, property um, of others, and nature, those things that you that that we are in constant relationship with it the way that he described it was almost like 
It is a way to display his brilliance through those relationships, and you have to look at it as like a six-sided diamond. So you've got this multifaceted thing that our job, I envision us being at the center of that diamond, and you are sending out your children at each of those faces to be a representation of who God is. But remember that when you're sending them out, that the three basic things that you're after is respect, honor, and honesty. So at the inside of the diamond, you are basically training your kids to respect, honor, and have integrity with authority. Respect, honor, and uh, have integrity with the parents. Respect, honor, integrity with elders. If that's really want to train you how to respect authority, but you're respecting them in the arenas of honor, respect, and uh, integrity. That the, that's kind of the bedrock of character development as we move through all of these different relationships that we have. Um, the six relationships. Mm -hmm. Yep, and it's gonna it'll be in your chapter. It's authority, parents, elders, peers and siblings, property of others, and nature. Mm -hmm. And obviously, this chapter we were going over authority and parents, and we'll be getting into more with elders and siblings and. Um, property and all of that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, the kingdom principle is that you esteem others higher than yourself. Yeah. So again, even when it comes time to authority, it's not about this concept of respecting authority. It's about understanding that if selfishness gets in the way to say, I don't yeah. care what that authority yeah. says, yeah. I want what I want, yeah. then we're dismantling everything that he put us, um, that he put us in uh, on this earth for. And then he does talk about authority that is not biblical because you know some people will say well am i supposed to stay in a marriage mm -hmm. if am i supposed to just follow an officer if they at the at the time that authority steps out of biblical authority then it's no longer biblical authority so then you're not under that command essentially that all things were all authority was given by god mm -hmm. not that it's saying that you don't because there's obviously you know, whether you like the way things are going in America or not, you live in America, so there's things that you submit to, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're obligated because once they fall outside of biblical authority, then you're kind of in a different mm -hmm. arena, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. That was the big debate during COVID, right? Yeah. In the church, like, yeah. well, we're supposed to submit, but yeah. is it biblical? All that. Yeah. But it, it does get in... in um, into that and of course then it also then brings a dynamic did, did everything make sense when he was talking about honor versus duty or on, that you are called to honor regardless but devote devotion versus duty is yeah. the difference and that we're raising our children to essentially want to honor out of devotion um but that but that it's which is the same thing as transitioning them from obedience to submission mm -hmm. and I think that's super powerful when you're younger and even when you're younger in Yahweh mm -hmm. there is a time and a place where Yahweh says something and it's yes Yahweh because yeah. I'm still under obedience <clears throat> and when he begins to lift the tape and remove the boundaries you guys have heard me talk about that I'd rather I'd rather be in obedience it's easier you know, but when that freedom comes and he just wants you to follow him out of influence, mm -hmm. does that not sound like old versus new? Yeah. Right? It was. The Mosaic law was to 
teach his people to obey. This is what you're obeying. Without the Mosaic law, you wouldn't even know what you're obeying. This is how you do it. This is what you do. This is when you do it. This is how you know. This is how you do. It. This is this is to train obedience, because Yeshua, as the elder brother who showed us that he could do it, now you have the ability to not have to obey. You get to obey, and you want to obey, and you do it out of the overflow because you're honoring him out of devotion. You're called to honor him regardless. Yeah. But you can do it out of duty yeah. and be in religion, pre-Yeshua, or you can accept his presence, and you can say, because you did it, I'm going to honor you out of devotion. Yeah. That's all this shift was. And that's what's a little bit hard about the video. He didn't necessarily define that in that way. And he's still using a language that sounds like what we knew. That's not for you. Well, what's not for you is you don't have to obey it. But now you get to because you can and you want to. And that and if and if we disregard that teaching because it's like, oh, well, if I don't have to, then I'll just eat pork. Well, then what you're doing is you're telling your kids, you don't have to obey, yep. but what would happen if your kids were like, awesome, I hate the culture you've given me. I'm going to do whatever I want. Well, that, there's not a whole lot of honor, devotion, or culture yeah. identity. It's yeah. called a scattered people. Yep. You don't have a children. You don't have children that are taking after you. You don't have. You don't have anything then. If everything I've instilled in my kids, if they decide, you know what? Because and he talks about this as an example. Really After the age of ten which I thought was powerful because I have a 10 year old turning 11. But again, if you've been doing this since day one, at the age of 10, they say that they are after wanting to show you their obedience and not be told what to do. Mm. That if you keep telling them what to do, they're actually gonna disobey you because they wanna show you that they wanna do it out of their devotion and not because you told them to. If you keep telling them to do it, they're not gonna be able to show who they are. Again, it's the same thing that that's what religion does. Constantly telling you what to do, so you see a lot of rebellion. You're not going to tell me what to do. Right. Whereas at some right. point, you're right. always going to step back That's and be really like, good. show me yeah. what you've got. Yeah. And you begin to flourish. You begin to open up in freedom. So a lot of people think, well, you guys are talking about the laws. And you're, you're bringing back constriction. And it's like, no, we're bringing back freedom yeah. because we want it to be shown yeah. you know, what, what, what is inside of us. So just know that at around the age of 10, your kids will begin to shift. If you not, They're not going to want necessarily your authority because they've already known it and they want to show you that they know it and again multi-dimensional that happens with us you know eventually yeah. it gets to a point where he's told me enough that it's like okay I want to let me show you what's inside of me yeah yeah so. that all makes sense yeah. about the law and yeah what, what's happening and why it's the exact same thing as our family dynamics and what we would want and if we push up against that then ultimately we're putting that on our own families that that's what would happen to the next generation, you know, with us, you know. Uh, I think that that was probably the main, the main points that I wanted to, to touch on. And we have some time. So, do any of you guys have any questions? Well, let me just talk about. Um, I just briefly touched on it, but there is going to be a. Um, they they show it in a graph, but where you're pulling your children from, like I said, obedience into submission. And what that means is, is that you're using more of your authority to create obedience, and eventually in the later years, you're using more of your influence to create submission. You can see that in the natural flow of families and the difference between the age range, and it doesn't necessarily happen when they're in their adult years. It can be around the age 10, 11, preteen. That's why I'll reverse the curse when people say, oh, it's the worst thing, and it's like, 
it, it, it was harder before because of how much authority and how much boundaries and how much training that took place, but eventually it pays off and there was so much fruit because when you get to lead by influence, it is so powerful and you're watching that natural honor and submission happen and it's, and it's just, it's a, it's a beautiful relationship. So, but just know that as you're walking, as you're training your kids in character development, especially in the younger years, just know that that's the direction that things are going. Eventually, you will not have to be so much, you won't have to have so much authority. It'll be more influence. Yeah. And so that's why we really hone in on the, on, on the younger years. You are not their friend because eventually that friendship is going to come. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you're, you're all of a sudden friends when they're teens, but you're giving them that freedom to be able to submit versus obey. Um, I think that that might be it. I mean, every, there's so much in the chapter. Mm -hmm. um, obedience and parenting, it talks about how you are the governor. Like, you are you are the ultimate governor of your family and to govern, um, to govern your kids. Um, I'll say it the way he did just because I thought it was awesome because we've all t heard about the taskmaster. Obedience is the schoolmaster or the taskmaster in order to produce freedom. So... We don't want to shy away from it, from expecting obedience because it's obedience. I'm just saying it different than what I just said, but obedience and teaching your children obedience and for us to obey is for us to learn. It is like it's the teacher that creates us to a place to be able to walk a certain way to submit. You can't just yield to submission if you don't know what you're submitting to. So obedience is the tool that grants you permission to be able to submit. Like free to obey. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I just loved how he said that obedience was a tool. Yeah. You know, because sometimes we'll get stuck at a, yeah. stuck at obedience versus yeah. that's just a tool for what's to come, and what's to come is freedom. Um, freedom to obey for the sake of obeying, not because I was told to, because of wrong and right, but because I want to. Um, and we already talked about honor and devotion. Katie, go ahead. Did you have a question? Yeah. So. When, like, because I don't have kids right now, so when I'm older, how do I, like, safeguard what I'm learning now so that my kid, like, so that I can teach my kids this? So do I just, like, keep going in these lessons, or how do I safeguard that for, like, my kids? And then how do I teach my kids this without them going through the lessons? Like, how do I safeguard it for my grandchildren, too? Mm. Well, essentially, your kids wouldn't have to take the lessons because you would just be doing it, and it just comes out of you. But essentially, I'm, I'm going to give you super practical. Practically, when you get married and then you're pregnant, you'll call Nana, <laughs> and I can help teach you how to sleep train your ch children. So this is obviously talking about the, the larger picture, but this starts the moment they're out of the chute. Like the moment they come out. And so just here's a testimony. I Jalen came out. I had a friend who actually introduced me to this. I didn't just, just tap into this. I had a friend who had a ton of kids, and she knew what she was doing, and they were amazing. And so I was like, all right, what's going on? And I didn't care about the moral development. I just, I mean, I might be selfish, but I just, I want, I want to sleep. So I didn't know how to do it if we were going to have a lot of kids. Anyways, um... Jalen was born, and I was told, you do not do what you're doing. Like, you don't do this. Your kids know better. And you're going to hear this from the moment you're pregnant. They know better. They know when to eat. They know how to eat. They will tell you when they're hungry. And when they, when they tell you what they want, you give it to them. 
like doc like I mean medical it's ingrained people. medical people and you are a bad mom if you know better because your kids know what they need and how they need it and when they need it so he came out and he was a chaotic mess I didn't know what he needed I mean because he just needed something all the time he was just crying all the time we somebody was starting to tell me he had colic it was like I didn't know what part of it was my own confidence really I didn't know what I was doing because I didn't know what he needed so it was like I was up in the air I was like nursing I was doing so I was there I was just trying all this different stuff and it wasn't working and then on day three I decided okay I'm gonna be implementing some things and the moment I changed he was a completely different kid and a lot of it had to do with my authority I'm, I'm the mom. I know I know how to do this and stepping into that changed everything. So I say all that because to safeguard it, it starts from day one. And once you do that, you just naturally begin to progress in that lifestyle. You don't have to change it 10, 15 years later and try to figure it out. It just happens right away. So if it's in you, it'll just happen. And then like when it's in me, I can teach my kids and then it becomes in them. Mm -hmm. So I don't have to worry about like teaching my grandkids. Well, hopefully you don't have to worry about teaching grandkids. I mean, that's the goal, is that we are free when our kids have kids. <laughs> but depending on how things go, I mean, obviously it doesn't mean that you wouldn't safeguard or you wouldn't be there, you know, to mentor or to help. And you have to remember that your kids will marry into another family. And so you've got that dynamic of what that family has been raised up with and how to how to navigate all that. But for but from what I know now as my own experience and what I've read that kids that are raised this way ultimately then turn around and honor the culture and what did you say? Oh, I was just raised Yeah, they would raise in the same way because they're so thankful and filled with gratitude of what Kingdom did. Because they begin to see in the early years, I don't know if they're as grateful, but eventually they start to see what happens with other with other kids. And then they, they see what it is that they're afforded and the relationship that they have, that they're so filled with grat gratitude that they want to keep going in that. So, I mean, I know for me, I've got an 18-year-old that is constantly talking about how to do that with his kids now. So. Go ahead. Um, how is, like, we were talking about prohibitive conscience and then character. Like, if you have a really like heavy prohibitive conscience like how would you like how would you say that you have a good character because like if character is defined as what's in you and like what's in you is like rooted in fear how is that your character if like all you see is like the good acts that they're doing but if they do it from a place of fear should that like would fear be their character i think that just to me what you're saying sounds like you it's not the same thing. You could have a false perception of certain things. Like you can have good character, but also a prohibitive conscience at the same time. Like I don't think it's the same thing. Does that make sense? <laughs> Give an example of somebody who has a good character, but a but a high prohibitive conscience. Like. <laughs> you, you, like what you just said. Like, give me like an example of that. I am like, if I'm, this is probably a bad example, but like if I'm giving, like I'm carrying my bags for my mom all the time, like, like because I think she'll yell at me if I don't. Mm, but everybody else right. sees what I'm doing and like, oh my gosh, you have such a good kid. Like, raised her so well, but like, so like I'm doing mm -hmm. this because I'm rooted in fear. Right. Not because like. 
with gotcha. my character. Yeah. So I was going to answer opposite of what he said that they're that they are related in the sense of it's just it would be a matter of reflecting what is driving your character. Mm -hmm. So there are worldly people that are great people and have great good character, but if it's driven through Satan, right? I mean, not that you, that, not that fear is safe, but I'm just saying, like, there are good people that flat out say he's not real, and they're good people. So if their character, then what is their character driven by? So for example, his brother, his character is driven by, well, you should just be a good person because that's the right thing to do. Well. Does that make sense? Like his character in and of itself, he's a good person, but at the end of the day, God's moral law and defining it by God's moral law, that law, then his character would be would be faulty. So in your situation, it would just be a matter of not that you don't have good character, but going on a deeper level would be why. Why have I had that? And if it's primarily driven by fear, I want the real me to come out. And so then being able to look at character in a different way could reveal some things. But, you know, I mean, we are we are a product of those things. And so what I do want to say, even though I said all that, on the flip side, not wanting to be yelled at and doing something out of obedience because it's the right thing to do is actually showing good character. It just means he may want more from you of why you do it. But a kid with not good character would just say, I don't care. That, that if you would yell, so I'm just going to rebel. So but somebody who says, well, if you if you, if they're going to yell at me and I don't care, they're so filled with identity. The flip side of it could be, okay, that's not the opposite of prohibitive conscience. That's just pride and rebellion, yeah. saying I don't care what you say, so I'm just yeah. not going to honor you. That's not necessarily good character either, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. So the fact that you're wanting to do something is more of a uh, moral development, in my opinion, than it is character or not. Mm -hmm. with prohibitive conscious and as you grow up and you start to recognize that you have that prohibitive conscious then it's more of just the deepening in relationship and a, a more of a refinement not necessarily like a character flaw yeah I think that that was all that I wanted to hit on yeah I just I feel kind of defeated only because my kids are adults already and we're still learning how not to do things mm -hmm. or, you know, yeah, how not to do things and how to switch into um, being in alignment with all of this. And it, I, although I do see improvement because we are making changes and they're little but they're huge at the same time, um, I just don't know, like practically speaking, I mean, how to force an 18 or 20 year old, or you know what I'm saying? Like I can't just grab them and put their jacket on. Like I can't do that. <laughs> I mean, I could, right? I mean, like I have the strength and the means. <laughs> but, uh, but you know what I'm saying, right? Like, well, in these years, it's more by influence. And he does talk about the next season, too, uh, when they leave to cleave, a whole new order comes into place. And so you're in, you're in a stage where the children are, they're beginning to honor out of devotion or duty. 
You know, it's not necessarily these practical things like the jacket. But especially if they're living in your home, though, it's still the concepts of being able to understand that it's that you are, you know, you're not doing the same things in like coercing and trying or buying their, you know, buying their, you know, happiness. Regardless of age, we are after their holiness over happiness. Whatever that looks like, if they're living in your home, not living in the home, whatever the structure is, is, is ultimately that's that's the bedrock and for the most part it's going to come through influence and the changes that you and Brian are making are, are already infiltrating the things that they're doing especially before they move into a new a new structure um, because because it's by influence and you have them for the rest of your lives a lot of this is very practical with the younger years but it's it lives are just beginning at 18 and you have influence for the rest of their lives and you have influence as the mother-in-law the mom the grandparent you know and being able to influence those things it's it's you have you have the rest of their lives to implement holiness over happiness even if it is when they you know Mona's pregnant and being able like well, what do I do and you're gonna have so much wisdom of here's I mean, and we all will. Here's what you're not going to do. Right? I mean, it's. I've been saying this over and over and over again to myself when I was in Texas. And to my son, is just as important to know what not to do as it is yeah. to know what to do. Yeah. So even if it's a matter of, you know, feeling defeated and I didn't do, it's being able to say, like, here's what we're going to do as a family identity. Here's what we're not going to do anymore. Here's what we are going to do. Because we're after generational holiness anyways. You know, and that's what it's about. So. And do your best not to be discouraged because, I mean, how many how many of us as adults can say we got, none of our parents are perfect, right? None of us are perfect as parents. And how many of us can say that our parents either acknowledged but then took it a step further and tried to restore something that they recognized they fell short in with raising us? I, I mean, I doubt any of us would like oh yeah my parents did that as I was leaving the house you know what I mean that's a powerful thing for you and Brian to be very doing healing. with your kids yes. as they're leaving the house like that's versus rare. I did everything right and you're the one that sucks <laughs> yeah because that's the alternative and that sucks so that that restoration and the power of that alignment can yeah. be more powerful mm -hmm. right that's the gospel right I mean that's yeah. just that restoration power is huge so try I mean do your best not to be like I uh, screwed up or what you know whatever and I give examples and I, I I'll give examples of things that we did right but I mean I said it when that video was going that's lit Sean how old are you 15 and I had that conversation with little <laughs> Jesse little Shawnee yesterday and I am the coercive but Sean you don't think you need to pack a lunch you're gonna get hungry no I oh my that was that was me and I'm just like dang it <laughs> you know so there's a new day <laughs> so it's not you know it's I mean he's 15 he could be 25 and we'd be like dang it next time you come over you're gonna eat <laughs> well I think that that is all and then obviously we'll go through the chapters do the homework um, and then we'll do Q&A more as you guys are practicing uh, practicing this next week and then uh, we will get into I think it's respect for elders respect for age and some of this I mean I don't know if 
I don't know about you guys, but just some of this is just bringing in some old-fashioned goodness. You know what I mean? Like the fact that we have to talk about respect for for authority. This was all biblical concepts, but now we just need to teach on respect yeah. for authority. Yeah. You know, it's. Uh, I mean, they give examples of how. To, it, this is revealing. How do you handle authority when a kid comes home and says, "My teacher said this." Do you automatically bash the teacher? Mm-hmm. It's a great yeah. example. Yeah. So what you know? So there's just so there's just so many things that you know we'll forget. Or when we talk about nature, you know, I didn't. That's not something that's that's it's not in our nature. But even when we talk about it's not in our nature. But when we're talking about nature and even just um, dismantling, it's just a way to esteem others that you didn't think about. And I think about that now, and we do need to teach the next generation about that, you know, the things that are happening and not even understanding that property is associated to a person. Yeah. And how to respect that and what that means and and all of that stuff is just a lost lost thing in the the next generation. And ultimately, the only way we're going to reveal his goodness is our holiness. Yeah. It's in the end days now that we could shine even brighter, you know, to not go along with culture and not go along with the way that things go, but to be able to stand holy and not say, well, was that just for like 1900s or did, did God change? Yeah. You know, like did his standard change right. and to really be right. standard bearers? What does that mean? And I know that sounds like, well, we preach that, we talk about that, but here's some practical examples of how you're a standard bearer. Yeah. When your friends are in the bathroom vaping, and that's just common culture. Yeah. I mean, our, my kids, there are some things that my kids have struggled with because it is so ingrained in the culture yeah. that they thought it was okay. Yeah. And having to co- go back and redo and say, yeah. this is the kingdom principle. This is how our family does it. And we don't do that. Whether yeah. it be like, well, everybody in the class doesn't listen to the teacher. We all just right. talk. I don't. So it, yeah. how do you want to be set apart people? And yeah. being a set apart people is walking holy. Well, this yeah. is the practical application of some ideas of how to do that. Yeah, yeah that's you know, good. just like we're going to need some of those practical ideas when we've got to deal with, you know, things that are happening, you know, in the world mm-hmm. and how do we stand? And, yeah. you know, like you said, that there, there are some things that happen of ways that you can stand and not follow, follow along in that. So, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Thank you, guys. Yeah. That was good. Re- read Respect for Age. It just it does help. I mean, if you if you can find the time, because I know you're doing the last chapter and doing all the homework. If you can, even just skimming through the outline and just kind of knowing what he's going to go over, it just helps when he goes over it to be like, oh, and then it just sets you up for the week to be like, wait, what are we working on this week? 